What do you know, Rick Foster? I know that the reason why we missed last week's recording is because I uh, had a little scuffle between a a man and his car, and I had to pay dearly for it. Part okay. Of, okay. Part I of, think I think it was actually my fault. But um, but I I actually I don't think it's such a bad I, oh and hey welcome Sharon too like I was just about to start doing a little overview there but uh, and actually it was Sharon's car that that I had the kerfuffle oh I bet you, and Sharon you must be not happy with that no <laughs> well not at all. not to the point where she's in jail so that that's that's a positive on that 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 is that's very good. Um, so, but the, but the, but the one thing about not doing the show last week and now what we're doing is we're going to combine season two, episode four, uh, gloves off with, uh, season two, episode five, Rebecca. And, you know, I, I think when I was talking to you about setting up the show uh, or putting them together, I said, you know, we could just combine the two stories. And then I said, huh, unless we have a Chuck and Kim's, uh, central show and, you know, LOL. And, uh, and then of course what happened yep um, but right. i mean but, but i still think that we can combine these two stories together so and and now i think they actually fit perfectly together yeah they they really do go hand in hand as far as uh as episodes are concerned i, I mean we at the end of uh gloves off we had uh almost the resolution of uh nacho's kind of problem uh with tuco Mm-hmm. And then it became Mike's problem. <laughs> yep. and, and yeah, who ended up becoming Mike's problem. And, and next episode. Um, e- even with, uh, uh, G- you know, with, with his uh, family, you know, getting, you know, worried and, you know, at the start of five, you know, they are at a hotel and Kaylee just absolutely loves it there and stuff like that. So even that kind of tied up. And then we also, uh, kind of got a precursor to uh, what will be happening for the rest of the season uh, with uh, uh, we might as well just uh, kind of start off uh, Tio, uh, Mr. Mr. Doorbell uh, wheelchair man from uh, Breaking Bad comes back and uh, he is up and about moving and walking and talking, walking and, talking and making deals uh, as far as uh, trying to get his uh, his son at Tio. Now, Sharon. Nephew. Okay. So it, a resident uh, Espanol expert, Sharon, uh, yeah. it confirms that Tio is uh, nephew, which. Tio I mean, is uncle. Tio is uncle. Hector Salamanca is the uncle of Tuco. Yeah, correct. Uh, I'm really bad at Spanish. So <laughs> it, it's very helpful that Sharon is here in my life to, to decipher some of that stuff. But anyway, that was the most exciting for sure. I was so excited to see him. And- oh, it was not. That was probably like the big exciting point of both episodes uh, was to see him walk in. Uh, did you did you guys? I think everyone by now on every podcast has probably already talked about it. Uh, but something that I didn't notice notice until I heard someone talk about it or, you know, Ian said our podcast talk about it was um, when Tuka, uh, Tio um, walked into the diner, the uh, a bell went off. Yes. Oh, you did. Okay, so I I tried to rewind at the very end and see if there was a bell on the door because I felt like I had heard the bell. And the whole time in my head, I'm like, the bell guy, the bell guy. Mm-hmm. 
And then when he left, there was no bell on the door. But then I rewatched it a second time with Rick and I saw that you, you heard and saw the bell at the beginning and when he left. Oh, so I thought maybe it was one of those pickup bells because, uh, but, but I, I didn't see I thought, it. I didn't I it was on the door. It was on the door. Awesome. Yeah. It, it was a pickup bell. It, it ended up being it one It was of your food's bells. ready bell. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. I didn't, I, the, the first time I thought it was the doorbell. And since it clearly wasn't, I just was like, oh, I was imagining things. But then mm-hmm. when I saw the show a second time, I realized it and I was pretty excited. <laughs> And also just to kind of backtrack, I know we're really kind of starting into talking about Mike, uh, but the Mike's story version. But, you know, I, the other great thing I like about these two episodes is they both, you know, um, you know, hey, maybe all of them do this. But they both start with a great little sort of shocking reveal at the very beginning. Um, you know, in, the, in episode four, the first thing you see is Mike totally beat to shit. Uh and then you wonder, oh God, what happened to him? And then you find out as it goes through. But then in the in this episode five, you see uh, uh, Chuck screwing a light bulb, and and then turn on a radio, and you, you're thinking, what, what? And then it's when you see a woman in the kitchen that you really know for sure that this is a. Uh, I mean, I think most people knew instantly mm-hmm. that this had to been in the past. But but we find out he has a wife. Like, you know, who knew? Except me when I guessed it two episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, know I'm sorry. That, that's pretty bad. Yeah, and it's yeah, really – they're pretty clear on it, it, the color correction uh, kind of uh, brings out the, okay, this is clear that it's a flashback. This is clear this is a flash forward, and this is clear that it's uh, present time. I mean – I don't think With, everybody pays as much attention to that as he. I mean, I, I did not notice it until I heard uh, the uh, that the, the, until I heard them say that that's exactly what they did, and and then I thought, oh yeah, it was a little off. Yeah, the, it, so the, you're good to catch that. If you look in season one, they they kind of have a uh, like a blue tint to, mm. to all those to all those scenes, and then obviously you know the flash forward scenes are black and white. Uh, and then, you know, obviously regular color for present day. Uh, it's really interesting. I mean, I, again, maybe not a lot of people pick up on that stuff, but for me to, to see like, oh, Hey, this is clearly, excuse me, a flashback. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the coloring. Yeah. It's, it's really the coloring and it's, it's not distracting. Uh, to the point where it's like, oh, geez, you know, here's a flashback. I mean, it's. Yeah, exactly. It's just a, it's clear enough uh, where it's not distracting, but it's, you know, still stylistic as far as what is a flashback and what's a flash forward and things like that. It's really nice. I just noticed right away when I saw his face in the light bulb, I just immediately, I think he looked younger, but also the light bulb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Yeah. And it's uh, something, yeah, very subtle that Sharon kind of uh, added is yeah the the makeup in in this uh show it it's very subtle but you know there's plenty of changes uh, as far as you know he looks healthier he looks younger uh, you know and, and Michael McKean's character Chuck you know he he doesn't look beat the hell up uh from the sun and electromagnetivity and things <laughs> like that and uh, he seems he seems very upbeat, but when uh, good old Jimmy is mentioned, uh, he kind of uh, quickly uh, 
shuts down and is just like, oh, you better watch him. <laughs> Thanks for doing me this favor of talking to this guy we don't like. Yeah. Yeah. So shall we move in uh, full forward uh, well, with well, Mike? We, I was going to say, yeah, we, let, let's jump back to Mike. I know we're jumping around here uh, yeah. as far as like – All good all good stuff though. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, and I kind of want to jump back into Nacho. Uh, he clearly uh, – I guess, Sharon, this is something I kind of want to ask you. That yeah. You wanted to bring up uh, his, uh, his desire to – like Nacho's desire to, to get rid of him, period, as far as kill him. Mm-hmm. And then you have Mike's kind of uh, look at it, you know, take at it of just like, you just need him to go away, but not like go away because otherwise you're really screwed. And that that's also kind of a moral compass thing as far as with Mike of, you know, killing people with, you know, without yeah. any remorse almost. So what I noticed was that, he was considering it, you know, he always says the, well, I'll think about it or I'll get left. Mm-hmm. Back. And then as soon as he got to those guns, I felt like something was triggered in his memory. And he was like, Nope, not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you guys picked up on all those little clues, I guess you could call them about the guns, but he had said earlier about, that he could shoot him from across the street and, and Nacho seemed surprised. And then several things were said with the gun dealer where I was like, Oh my goodness. I really do think that Mike, Mike was probably in the Marines. What did you yeah. That was my question for you guys. What do you think? Uh, was, it's because I, I mean, do we know? Cause it, it sounds like he, he, kn- he knows enough about, or at least he has an understanding of the being in the jungle or compassion for soldiers who had been in the jungle, which mm-hmm. which could have meant that he was a Marine before or after. Um, Knowledge. Yeah, it doesn't clearly say one way or the other, but it certainly would make sense. Yeah, it's just so interesting because he's always referred to as a former cop, but to be a former Marine explains a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense that after the military, when you become a vet, uh, you were certainly in line to be hired as a cop. I mean, it wouldn't, you know, that would, you'd be high up on their list of people they would employ. Yep. And that's correct. Uh, the cops, uh, not all agencies, uh, all agencies, uh, you know, uh, departments, uh, have different kind of, uh, guidelines and things like that. But prior service is something that gets you uh, oh. higher on a higher tier, uh, compared to other people. So, uh, we had a little bit of te- technical difficulties there, but we're back in it. Um, so do you guys, th- you guys think he was a Marine? Well, actually I do. I think that the, the evidence is definitely there because he seemed to know that gun really well. And they established that the gun was used in the late sixties in the Marines, r- Marine snipers. Mm. And that made me think back to when he was talking to Nacho and he claimed that he could, shoot Tuco from far away on the other side of the street and Tuco seemed I mean Nacho seemed really surprised so I get the idea that most people can't shoot from that far away so it seemed pretty likely that excuse me that he was in the marine snipers mm-hmm. uh, there's a few other clues as well what did you think Rick? uh I, I think he he definitely has the knowledge uh as far as uh what uh people are you know, using in the marines and things like that and one of the um, 
big things as far as like being prior service and everything like that is that uh, cops do love people, you know, with prior service and mm-hmm. that helps when they, when they get hired and they do all the testing and stuff like that. And they're more favorable to, to hire people in, you know, the military. So I, I believe it's definitely believable that uh, Mike was in the Marines or, uh, or there's some sort of training to the spot, you know, uh, specific you know, criminals when they have, you know, certain guns and things like that. And that's something that would help them, uh, you know, investigate more as, as far as, you know, uh, criminals and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm going to sound like an idiot to anyone who is a Marine or yeah, that, but I, I kind of feel like some of the training that you go through as a Marine gives you a lot of the, the, the skill set that you could use as a, a detective, or, uh, you know, and now he's he's a private detective, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess that's his legitimate role. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, it all makes perfect sense um, if he was. So I, I like that we, we got that kind of just a very subtle hint. You know, it didn't, they didn't ha- he didn't have to say, well, when I was in Nam, boy, we use these out in the jungle. Instead, he said somebody should have thought about that before they took him out to the jungle. You know? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was neat. I, the, the, the show is so clever. I, I, I can't say it enough. I agree. And, and one of the, it seems they are not afraid, like the writers and, and everything like that are not afraid to, to put characters to the side for, for a little bit. And I think it's kind of evident with Nacho. Um, he's, excuse me. Uh, he's a prominent character, but he isn't necessarily, uh, in focus uh, a lot. He's definitely a background player, but when he appears, he's like, oh, something is going to go down. So when he appeared in uh, Gloves Off and mm-hmm. the whole setup to set up Tuco or actually kill Tuco at that point, um, and he was a, he's definitely a bad dude, and he's, uh, it's clear that he's trying to jump hoops to, uh, to get ahead in life uh, as far as like taking Tuco down and things like that. And then um, in the, the next episode, he wasn't there at all, which is something that happened in the first season. He was, he was prominent for about two, three episodes and then he would be gone and then he would come back for a little bit, uh, but not in a huge, in a huge way. Uh, I personally thought maybe it was just first season blues of like uh, he'd, they don't know what to do with them at that point. Um, and it possibly might be, you know, the same thing coming in the second season. But I believe to me that um, Nacho's being groomed for this big setup point, whether it's, you know, um, whether he is kind of killed off in favor of Tuco being here in the main, you know, for the main, you know, shindig or it's a lead up into Gus or, or something like that. But, um, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm just rambling, but I feel like Nacho is a, almost an expendable character, which is really bad because I, uh, I, did I say Tuco? I, I meant Nacho. So, uh, I believe Nacho is kind yeah, of I think you said Nacho. character, um, and I really like Nacho, and I think he has – I don't know what it is about him. Um, he just has his presence 
that isn't psycho-y <laughs> uh, compared to Tuco. So you don't think we're going to see Nacho even season three? Because um, I think he's, I think he's a, I think he's one of the the strong characters outside of Chuck, Kimmy, Jim, uh, and uh, Mike. I don't want to say that. I think he's right after that. I want to say, yeah, I, I, say- I think he's more important than Hamlin. Oh, hands down, hundred percent. Um, maybe I don't know. That's a tough call. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I think. I think part of it is the um uh, what we've talked about many, many, many times before is uh, bringing in too many people from Breaking Bad, and uh, and I think Nacho is that that void as far as you know, hey, here's this, here's this uh, guy that leads you into the guy that you remember. And I think they're going to, uh, as kind of evident uh, with uh, Tio, uh, they might be going in a different direction and they might be very well open to keeping Tuco in, in the fold full time instead of having Nacho there. And bringing in Tio in hmm. full time. Interesting. Uh, just because there's there's so much. I mean, we only know so much for Tio. We don't know how he got to the wheelchair. Uh, we don't know. Well, uh, we do. Uh, uh, may, or maybe there's there's a theory because actually I was look, checking the Reddit and that was like the number one thing that 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 was discussion for this episode or the last ep- episode five was, you know, well, well, how did he get in wheelchair? We need to find that out. I bet some, I bet Mike puts him in the wheelchair. There's a lot of that kind of stuff, but, uh, but then um, somebody pointed out that in uh, breaking bad, um, when he is being interrogated by, uh, 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 uh gosh, why Hank and, um, and uh, God, I forgot the other guy's name. Uh, oh, you know, they're in that room and, uh, shoot, this is terrible because it's the other person, it's not Hank, who said mm-hmm. that, you know, stroke or no stroke, uh, yeah. you know, that doesn't excuse you. That doesn't keep you from being a, you know, a, a drug deal kingpin or whatever to that effect. Yeah. So, so possibly it was that he had a stroke uh, and that's why he can't talk and that's why he can't, also can't walk. And that would be less exciting of a backstory for them to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then it would also kind of show, like, how powerful that guy is, is that, like, nobody could really take him down. Only he could take himself down. Well, oh, and then I don't want to spoil, mm-hmm. like, the conclusion of Breaking Bad or that, that scenario, that storyline of Breaking Bad. Uh, but but for those of you who watch Breaking Bad, you know what, you know, how how they resolve uh, the T.O. story. Yep. And the answer is uh, Gomez. To- yeah, well, but but Gomez didn't take, you know, didn't take him down. Oh, right. Correct. I, I, but he's the partner. That That's what I was right. saying. Yeah, yeah, um, right. But, uh, awesome. yeah, I, I, I just think that, yes, there's a stroke that, that happens, and I, I do believe they, they did mention that. But I think it's. Uh, it's the visual as far as how it happens, how how we get there, and things like that that hasn't necessarily been shown, and it, it could be uh, pre- it could not be a stroke, you know, it could be a mic mic setup or, or nacho setup or you know things like that that lead to that stroke. Uh, so I think it, it's 
now that we're we're in this mythology, because uh, for in season one it was all, you know, let's set up our our core characters and things like that, um, and then we'll talk about who's coming in from Breaking Bad. Uh, so, and now that we have a third season, uh, which we should mention. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, I have that in our notes too. Throw that in. Um, I think, Yay! Yeah. Although we all knew it. And which, I, it's, it's, I, I would be surprised if there's not a season. I expect a season four at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah. I I think even if there wasn't a season three, uh, I'm pretty positive Netflix has that that mm-hmm. second uh, option pickup. Yeah, because they have it uh, nation or uh, worldwide as far as like the rights and things like that. Yep, yep. It's practically a Netflix show at this point. Um, yeah, exactly. For most of the world, that is. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and, and also, uh, I, I've been hearing a lot of really good things about this season. Like, uh, a lot of people saying that uh, that they, they, they kind of struggled with it when it first started, thinking, expecting, totally expecting it to be a lot like, perfectly like Breaking Bad. And realizing it is its own show, and a lot of people saying that it's a better show than Breaking Bad. Um, I wouldn't, as much as I love, I do love Better Call Saul more than Breaking Bad, but at this point, I I can't say that it's a better show because it's too young. Uh, Breaking Bad is a solid piece of work that is completed, uh, so therefore it is better. Uh, Breaking Bad is better, but Better Call Saul is going to knock its socks off by the time it f- finishes. That's what I think. I think it's more, yeah, I think it's more of a, I don't know what it is. I think it's, it's just. more dramatic. It's more, I don't know. It's character based in a way that isn't so drug focused. I don't know. I, well, see, yeah, no, that's what, yeah, that's a good point. The character base. I think that the the character base is what is going to make it better because we are going to care even more about these, all of these characters than we would about uh, almost anyone in Breaking Bad. Because in Breaking Bad, it took you a while to really care about Jesse or care about, um, you know, Walt was the, sort of the main focus throughout the whole thing. Mm. And now in this show, it, it's a it's a a large range of characters that we care about. Exactly. And arguably because of Breaking Bad, this show has more depth of knowledge and understanding and caring about the characters. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, so what do you guys think about the scene? I, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, even though I thought it was great. And I, you know, uh, and completely enjoyed it where the, the, the sting where, uh, Mike shows up, hits Tuco's car and goes in and, 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 uh, Tuco, the the best part about it was Tuco's face. He's sitting at that table and right in front of his face, he sees this old man hit his car and he goes, he just hit my car. Like the look on and 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 just kind of the the just complete shock and like sort of like he, it wasn't God damn it you know he and because he was on meth at that point it was I, a very was it was a very normal reaction uh, <laughs> was like, for everyone was else completely shocked how dare somebody hit his car yeah it was a normal reaction that everyone would do uh, but it was a an out of character reaction from Tuco <laughs> because yeah he. Uh, uh, any other time, Tuco would be uh, going nuts because uh, some kid looked at him weird. Uh, <laughs> or didn't pass the lie detector. Yeah, it, exactly. It, the lie detector stuff. And uh, he just went, he just 
acted normal of like, dude, that guy just hit my car. And then, you know, he went to confront him. You know, and- my favorite part was when Mike walks in and ignores him totally. And he's <laughs> hey, Gramps, you bumped my car. Oh, that was mm-hmm. the best. Yeah, he like just taps him on the shoulder. Hey, Gramps. Cool. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if it was the, you know, he had this, um, like, hey, you know, I got to be calm because this old guy may have not have known that he did it. And and I also don't want to get in trouble for, you know, killing this old guy for hitting my car. <laughs> yeah. I think at some point he was thinking I have to stay under the radar. Yeah, definitely. I think you're right because, like, he wouldn't have done that if it was a young uh, young guy uh, um, that came in. Uh, then you know, uh, then then he certainly probably would have been far more aggressive. I, uh, I was thinking, even though he doesn't usually show it, it might have been some of that Salamanca respect your elders training. Uh, yeah, he's just an old guy. He called him Mister Magoo or something. Yep. <laughs> yes, that was great. He doesn't know what he's doing. It's pretty obvious, also, that it wasn't a very, you know, it wasn't a lot of damage, really. Mm. So yeah, he's just like this old guy, poor poor guy. Yeah. I I kind of want like uh an episode of Salamanca training. Uh yeah. like of just him of uh, him being taught you respect your elders but uh make sure you you kill the guys that are stiffing you five bucks. Yeah, and things like that. That's that's what I want to see. Yeah. I yeah. meant like kung fu training. Yes, kung fu training <laughs> but but with more uh meth to calm me down. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, before we see Hector, um, you know, the follow-up, he Mike gets the crap beat out of him. Um, and then he goes to meet, uh, Nacho to get the 25,000 instead of 50,000 he would have gotten. And mm-hmm. he said, look, you got 25, you could have gotten double the money, half the hassle. And, um, and he said, quote, that was a long way to go to pull uh, a long way to pull the tr- trigger. You went a long way just to pull a trick to not pull not the trigger. trigger Why? Yeah. And so that's my question to you guys. Why? Why did Mike uh, choose not to shoot him? I think it, because of his son uh, mm-hmm. being killed in Philly, uh, he's going he still has this thing on his conscience of like I cannot let people die just because they have to or you know or something like that I think it's a conscious thing of I'm trying to be better uh, because we need to have the bad guys be punished for what they do uh, not not just kill them it's, it's the whole mentality of you know you find uh, like Saddam Hussein, for example, uh, you know, we caught him and everyone's reaction was, you know, not everyone's, but uh, the big thing was, why didn't we kill him? Because he killed all these people and things like that. Um, well, we caught him and then we turned him over to to get a trial because I, I feel like everyone, despite whatever they do in life, uh, they do deserve that fair, that fair trial. Uh, I mean, fair, you can go into a whole different story of what's fair, what's not fair, you know. Uh, because of what they've done in the uh, media is hyped it up and things like that. But I, I believe that everyone deserves a fair trial of what, no matter what they do. And I think that's what Mike feels uh, had to be done. You know, Audio, Mike, he needs to be, be this. yeah, charged for that stuff. It seems like 
it seems like Mike has this feeling like, you know, vigilante justice is something I've seen before and trying to, you know, solve things on your own. And it's, it doesn't feel uh, resolved. It, it doesn't, it still feels empty, you know? So I think that he, he seems to be willing to go and do things the right way so that you know, the law is involved and you let the police handle it and then you don't have so much guilt on your conscience. It's what I'm getting from him. And he was already all about the finding another way to do this from the very beginning. You know, um, with, when he was talking to Nacho, I really liked that whole, that whole conversation between the two of them. Mm. But after after the gun, I mean, it was almost like he had some sort of a traumatic flashback and he decided right then when he picked up that gun that he wasn't going to kill him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think you're right that it 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 was right at that moment that he had that that gun in his hand. And that was the gun uh that that Marines used in Vietnam. Right. So I got this feeling like either he killed a lot of people and regretted it or he saw, you know, his friends die. Mm -hmm. Something mm -hmm. like that. And he was like, you know, the cycle of killing, I don't want to be a part of that. We'll find another way. Yeah, I, I agree with you both. Uh, so the Hector um, Salamanca, we already mentioned that we heard the bell go off when he comes through the door. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so do you think that Hector, because he, he obviously he says, you know, well, you're a former cop. And, and then Mike says, well, you must be a mind reader. Mm -hmm. So does he, okay. So he knows all of this. Mike is, you can tell Mike is thinking, Oh God, how much does he know? He knows if he knows that he must know everything. Um, do you think that he knows that Nacho hired him for the job? Or do you think that he happened to be an old man who hit his car and yet he was also an ex cop? Or I think I think it's that I think he he kind of did the research of like in putting you know things together. Um, I don't think he's stupid uh, as far as mm -hmm. uh, what Nacho is doing. I think it's a you know he he lets Nacho do his thing because they let him uh, that type of thing. Uh, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it because there's some there's another show that you know said oh you got to do that because I let you do that you know I mm. I allowed that to happen um but uh I think that's what it is I think he knows not just doing the thing uh and they're allowing it to happen because it's not it's not a huge issue mm -hmm. at that point um and two I think yeah I think just. Hector is uh, he's he either has some in with the police or you know some in somewhere where he he did the research of like oh you know he's this ex cop guy uh okay that's weird uh because he hit his car and then you know I I don't know maybe it's also a a play to to get him on board uh, because I think eventually. Mike, you know, with Gus and everything like that, I think Mike is eventually going to come on board onto this drug, this drug cartel as far as being there. They're heavy in, in solving, you know, being the cleaner, which is what he was introduced in the show to begin with. Of right. Bad. 
was to be their cleaner. And I think that's what's going to happen is that they're going to uh, bring him on as a cleaner or as protection or something like that. And I think this is their first step of like, hey, if you want, you know, obviously that offer wasn't brought up, uh, but, you know, hey, uh, admit that it was your gun. And then we'll talk business later. It is what the conversation seemed like. Hmm. I agree. Interesting. Yeah. As far as your question, I'm really not sure what Hector knows. I definitely know that just because Hector didn't mention anything about Nacho doesn't mean that he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it seems like somehow he found out who Mike was. And it seems like this might be something they do often, where if there's a run in with the law, they find a loophole, they find a way to change somebody's testimony. Mm-hmm. So, so far, I, I'm only 100% sure that he did background check kind of thing on Mike. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. I kind of think that maybe uh, if he had known it was Nacho, his reaction would have been a little bit different than uh, I don't want to say that Mike is getting off easy, but he's also going to get paid $5,000 for his trouble. And uh, he might have to go to prison for a little while for carrying a gun, a illegal unregistered gun. Doesn't 5000 seem like a low number to you guys? Yeah, it does. <laughs> Particularly for prison. I mean, if you're going to send me to prison for something I didn't do, you got to pay me a lot of money. I mean, you can't pay me. Never mind. Scratch that. Could, could, could not pay me. Don't don't be throwing in. Yeah, don't send in offers to. to <laughs> the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I already gave up twenty five grand just to save this guy's life, and now they're only going to pay him five to reduce the sentence. Yeah, outrage. Um. So before we move on, did you guys have anything else about Mike or that whole storyline before we go into the Jimmy end? Yeah, well, I just kind of wanted to disagree a little bit with Rick about how important Nacho is because one of my favorite things of these last two episodes was the relationship between Mike and Nacho. And I felt like um, amidst all these other relationships, you know, we've seen this one one come from nothing. Yeah. Bloom and blossom. And I feel like they kept listening to each other. They kept using, both of them used the phrase, it's like you said. And when they were disagreeing with each other, they built arguments based on the other person's point of view. And I felt like that was very respectful and thoughtful. And, you know, every time that it seems like they were going to convince each other, you know, Mike said, it's like you said, you don't need him dead. You just need him to go away. Or your real problem is that finding out is finding out your secret and they're going to be nosing around anyway. So I felt like Mike really showed that he can listen to the other person and not just do what's best for me, but what's best for you and convince them to go, go Mike's way by, by pointing out that this is what's best for you based on what you said. I just thought it was great. And then um, Nacho did the same thing. So, um, you know, Nacho and Mike were both saying, this is what I need and explaining why and, here in everybody else's relationships in this show, people are not listening to each other and going off the handle. And I just really appreciated the, the situation between Mike and Nacho. I thought it was kind of. Do you think Nacho is like that to Mike because he knows what Mike can do? Yeah, definitely. Well, definitely because we just came off of the story of um, 
of Dan, the guy the, with the Hummer. Right. And, you know, he, he basically kind of really put Nacho in a, a position. Nacho was not happy when Mike showed up at his uh, uh, garage and told him that you need to uh, give the cards back. Um, and, uh, and then all we want is the cards back. And then, but, you know, you'll get the car. And I guess he also got money for it. Um, and uh, so, so Nacho did get a good deal out of it, but he was not happy about that when, when Mike approached him there. So the next thing we see is that he shows up in a dark construction area and he says, I have a problem. There's a guy I need. There's a guy who's a problem I need to get rid of. And so we didn't know. I mean, like there was kind of a hint like, Ooh, is it Mike? Because Mike knows everything about him. And because uh, Mike, M- Mike brought out, well, you don't want the Salamancas to find out. And that's where you could tell Mike uh, Nacho was like, oh, shit, you know about that. You know, um, you could really make things rough for me. So but then the next thing we see is this, as you said, sharing this wonderful conversation between them where they're really kind of trying to work on solving this problem. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, it all goes to to Mike being like a leader and kind mm-hmm. of seeing where this is going, you know. Poor Nacho has so many other situations in his life where people are crazy and yelling and doing drugs. And then Mike is just like calm and rational mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're, they're able to solve problems together. I just, I really liked the way that it played out. Yep. Well, I think, I think the reason why he's, he's very respectful and he listens and things like that is because I think it, it does have a little like mentor, 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 you know, mentee type thing. Yeah. But I, I think I'm, I still kind of stand with my, you know, he's expendable thing because he, um, I don't know. I, everyone's, you know, shaking, <laughs> shaking their head at me. Uh, but, uh, I think he's still, you know, eventually Mike and him are going to have a falling out and he's going to do something stupid and, uh, Mike won't be there to, to kind of save him. Um, mm. fair enough. And things like that. And that, that's all I really want to say because you know how I am with, you know, uh, fantasy booking and things like that. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, but I, I believe that that is the whole – the reason why I believe he's uh, a little bit expendable compared to everyone else on on the character roster of uh, of uh, Better Call Saul. But uh, I'm going to use this kind of as a transition point. Uh, okay. We got our first Mike and Jimmy interaction in these two episodes since – um, episode two, uh, when he's, uh, kind of oh, the stuff. That's true. Good point. Yeah. That was, uh, and I kind of had a, I didn't really have anything to say about it other than he points out that, uh, he has a babysitter, which I want to mention something about the babysitter in a moment, but, uh, they, um, but, but it was just full of jokes. Cause he sees Mike with the face beat up and he says, what happened? And he says, Oh, I'm sorry. That's right. First rule of fight club. Yeah. Joke one. And he's like, Hey, meet my babysitter. Joke two. Um, and then no, no I just three, uh, he's singing uh, the Rocky theme song, uh, driving. <laughs> driving <over. laughs> yep, I I heard him sing it, and I was like, God, what is that? What is it? Could it is it Rocky? Is yep. it like? And then I realized it took it, a couple hours. It's joke four is that he's from Philly, so oh, oh and that's a Rocky, you know, yeah. So that's a little inside insider joke. I mean, obviously Rocky boxing and things like that, and Rocky's from Philly. He's from Philly, uh, so that's technically joke four. So, yeah. Oh, that's funny because the show starts with the boxer uh, gloves. 
You know, it starts with Tuco's boxing gloves. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's unbelievable in that in that little it must have been forty five second interaction max that oh, yeah. four four or five jokes were thrown in. Yeah. As far as their their interaction. Well, now that just just today, just this morning, uh, I I kind of thought about it again, and I was thinking that this really says something about Jimmy. I'm I'm starting to pick up something about Jimmy's personality. That he, when he is uh, feeling uh, either nervous or um, he's in a situation where uh, he uses comedy, he uses jokes, he uses, uh, he tries to be the funny guy in situations where he um, is a little bit uncomfortable or, or he wants to make another, somebody else might be uncomfortable. And, you know, uh, certainly that's the case throughout Breaking Bad. I mean, he was just one joke after another, and that's all he was pretty much uh, for the most part. Uh, but but I but I see it now, and then, you know, we've got another story coming up about him and Chuck that that I see it again. Um, but, you know, that and that, that kind of falls into his whole Slipping Jimmy kind of character, that he's this funny guy that, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it seems oh. like he kind of uses it as a coping me- mechanism. You're you're 100 right. He definitely uses uh, his uh, comedic timings uh, as a defect defense mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, and and not just for himself, but I also see that as trying to make um, um, the other person feel better as well. Right. You know? Yeah. I I mean I try to do that. I'm never funny, but I try to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but the other but the babysitter. Uh, I want to point out her. Uh, J- uh, her name is Jessie Ennis, and she's the daughter of John Ennis, who was a major, a big, a, reg- a very regular character in Mister Show, and was also in with Bob and David uh, this go around. And uh, it took me a while. I mean, she looked so young that I was like, it couldn't be his wife, and and I had to do some research, and it definitely was his daughter. So it's kind of funny that that she was jimmy's babysitter because she could have very well bob bob could have very well have babysitted her when they were doing mr show together uh 20 years ago (laughs) so that that's kind of funny and uh and then also i love this character because she you know she's she she gets right into jimmy's space and um she's she's all on him because obviously i think we find out that she's been told to watch him to babysit and but she the look on her face she reminds me of that that uh meme of the the obsessive girlfriend okay gotcha do you know which one i'm talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. yeah does it does it have a name it has a certain name uh it's it's uh i think it's obsessive girlfriend uh the the person that does it is uh lana i think her name is or oh or is that just a uh, diamond club felt weird oh, but, anyway. uh, yeah totally uh Obsessive. I think it's obsessive girlfriend. Uh, and yeah, she's just yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so you guys have anything to go about uh, Aaron or? Um, I I think I think that's really it. I, what kind of surprised me and what was clear that she was put on to babysit and see, uh, how how many times he steps over the line mm. as far as the law is concerned was uh the the whole uh. Uh, teeny baby, teeny baby, beanie baby, beanie baby thing. Uh, mm-hmm. with uh, with the uh, the clerk. Uh, oh, that was great. I love that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to be my mommy? Yeah. Just <laughs> and then right, right as soon as he said that, uh, it was pulled away. And then 
you can tell the the county clerk was uh, disappointed. You can, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, just instead of it happening right away, it, what is it, like a month from now or something like that? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a... Uh, Come on, Jimmy, is what I'm thinking. Like, that was a very funny scene, but how many people have to tell him to follow the rules? Yeah. He knows he has a babysitter. He's just labeled her his babysitter, and he's still, like, hoping he can, he can, you know, bribe this clerk right in front of her face, and he thinks it's possible that he could get away with it? Yeah. Yeah. That risk was not worth the potential reward. Well, I think also is... Don't believe that he thought it was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, I I don't, and I, I I honestly don't think it's all that bad either. I mean, I do know it's, it's unethical. But I wouldn't if I had a babysitter. I mean, I'm not saying I would never do that and it's horribly wrong, but if the girl was watching me and sent by my employer, I don't think I would do it then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. That definitely, definitely. I would have had sense enough to do that. And she follows him to the bathroom too. Uh, and stands guard right outside. I thought that was great. Well, she and then we get the uh, well. One last thing before we move on to the bathroom stuff. Uh, he, uh, it's clear what Jimmy knows what's right and wrong, as far as you know the you know being a lawyer is concerned. You know, we had the the TV commercial and putting it on the air before it was being seen. He knew it was wrong, but he yeah. didn't. The, the Beanie Baby stuff, like I said, I just don't believe that he thought it was wrong mm. because he just did it right away. He didn't have the the moral conscience of like, oh, geez, should I do this or, you know, should I not do this? Um, he just did it right away. I think it's part of his, you know, almost defense mechanism or character mm-hmm. just to be, be the fun-loving lawyer that comes and brings me, you know, Beanie Babies and makes things smile. makes me smile. Uh, so I just don't believe that he thought it was wrong, and that's when he was he was shocked. Of you know, Hello. wait, what? What the hell? You know, I can't do that. Definitely. Well, he did say to the the babysitter, you know, uh, this is a a sticky situation, or I don't remember. This is how you do it, or yeah, that there was something like that. That you you know, it's okay, you know. This is how it's done here, you, you know. He, he implied, "I've been doing this." I because he has. He's been living in that courthouse as a um, public defender. Or, 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 mm. so, uh, yeah. That that conversation kind of indicates to me that he thought about it ahead of time and recognized that it might be an issue if he didn't address it first. Uh, that's that's possible. Uh, can't disagree with you on that, but. Uh... But to the bathroom stuff, we meet uh, one Bill. of the public defenders uh, in the bathroom, and he's no, uh, he's actually the prosecution uh, pro- prosecution side. Okay, uh, I I thought that too, but he's he's a, like a low level prosecutor, so he's dealing with the same kind of low level crimes as uh, Jimmy was defending. Okay, so that you know because he's the petty with the prior guy, and um. So, so, th- and then that rung a bell to me that when you say, you know, he was saying Petty is a pri- uh, um, Petty for the prior or whatever was because he was trying to work in a deal with, you know, he was making those deals with, on, with his clients, with this public defender in the bathroom, just easy little ways to get out of it. And that, that was their office, their meeting spot pretty yeah. much. Um, um, but he, I mean, 
Jimmy is excited to see him and he's wondering how things are with him, but he's asking Jimmy all these questions and uh, Jimmy's almost, I don't want to say braggy, uh, but he, you know, he, he's mentioning, Oh yeah. You know, I got this car, I guess. And then, no, 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 no. They, they, he asked, no, I noticed that I felt like Jimmy was being humble and kind of holding back. Exactly. And the only thing he offered up was that he had a, a fireplace holder yeah it was like he was trying to make it not awkward and talking about the little things but yeah when someone asks you if you got a, a car and all you have to mention is a cup holder well he was mentioning the cup holder to say that the well the cup hold it's got a cup holder and he was going to say that doesn't even fit your cups right mm-hmm. <laughs> yep uh so it's he's very humble that, that's the word i was looking for yeah. and then uh he was asking him questions but he was uh sidestepping it and mm. things like that and then uh yeah, as he's walking out the the bathroom, he said, you know, he's a lucky lucky bastard pretty much of mm-hmm. getting lucked into that sandpiper stuff. And I think that I think that the reason why uh Jimmy was sort of kind of yeah, well, yeah, they gave me a car, but you know, I I think the way he the reason why he was kind of like just kind of uh eh, it's not such a um was because of his I think it ties into the fact that he he doesn't really want to be at Davis and Maine. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, you know what he wants and what he wants is to be Saul Goodman. And, you know, he's just climb, you know, climbing the steps towards becoming Saul Goodman, that independent, strong attorney who gets, you know, great cases and does it his way. I yeah, think a hundred percent agree. I think he wants to be his own, his own entity, not, yeah. not be somebody else's uh, his own show. Showtime. <laughs> exactly. He wants to be, you know, himself. And uh, right now, it, he can't be, uh, you know, himself at Davis and Maine. He obviously wasn't himself over at Hamlet Ham McGill. So it, it's it, he, eventually he's going to be, I don't know if he's going to be let go or he's going to leave himself. Uh, but I think he eventually will start his own his own shindig again. Uh, probably not in the back of a, a nail salon, but uh. well, there's somebody else who might want to decide to leave Hamlin or leave the law firms that they're at. Uh, Kim with Hamlin, Hamlin and McGill. She's in the doghouse. Go now. Shannon and I were having this discussion, kind of off off uh, off air. Is Hamlin doing this because uh, he has a thing for Kim, or is he doing this because he he put his neck out for Jimmy? Uh, and I mean, the reason why is what they said, you know. Of you know, I did this because I put my neck out for Jimmy, and then Jimmy pulled that stunt and makes me look bad. So now I have to punish the person that told me to put my neck out for him. That- that actually does seem odd to me that he would take it out on Kim. Mm-hmm. I agree. And is he doing that because of Chuck or because of his own feelings? That's what I wasn't sure about. Cause there were several, there was a scene where Hamlin just looks so mad mm-hmm. and I can't figure out if that anger is really towards Kim or if that's possibly towards you know, being in the situation he's in with his name on a law firm and still being a puppet of 
of Chuck. Chuck. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if he's mad at the situation with Chuck or mad at the situation with Kim and Jimmy. Interesting because then you made, just made me think of when <clears throat> Kim, when Jimmy came into the doc review where Kim was, she said, you know, I told you this, but I told you this would happen. I told you that he would take it out on me um, because he did the same thing with this, uh, with the Kettleman's. Uh-huh. And I, you know, so he did. And that was unrelated to Jimmy or what? No, maybe it wasn't unrelated to Jimmy. Unrelated to Chuck was her point. Oh. Huh. Well, remember, uh, Chuck, uh, no, he he helped with the Sandpiper stuff. But a, uh, as far as the Kettleman stuff, he, I mean, Jimmy went to Chuck as far as for advice and, and what to do in that scenario. And uh, I don't know. It's just weird because. We it's clear that there is a puppet. We just don't know who the the puppeteer is. Right? Is uh, it Hamlin or is it Chuck? Mm-hmm. Right. We know Chuck isn't the puppet, but we know he his name is on the building. We know he or the puppet master, yeah. I should say. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. We know they meet up at night and discuss business and things like that. Um, they've talked about Kim and her doghousiness. Um, and then it even gets to the point where Kim at doc review reviews all this stuff. And then she is busting her ass trying to get new you know, a new clientele. And, uh, yeah. And she finally does it, which by the way, that whole, that whole montage scene of her, yes, all these people and, great. uh, making clear that she is a lawyer and she's doing this, not a, you know, Hey, let's go hang out and have drinks. No, I'm not single, Mm. that type of stuff. Uh, It's really weird. And especially after going to a, uh, a little panel about uh, women in film and things like that. And Mm. uh, some of them sharing their experience of, you know, uh, back in the day, like, you know, maybe like five years ago, uh, someone, meets up with this uh this head producer and a the assistant producer which is a woman uh the dude asked this woman uh hey, so does she fetch your coffee uh for for you and then you know in front of her and the the main producer is like you know no she's you know you know she's basically like me so shut your mouth and kim kind of has to do that uh but with no defense uh backing her up too mhm and a lot of those calls uh, are are shrug off calls, and and the others are like, "Hey, do you want to go out?" And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's my flirting with her. Mm-hmm. And it gets to the point where she has to call when she calls someone. It's a woman that's yeah. helping her out, and Ain't not a man. Mm-hmm. Right, right, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I like I like the way she, the, uh, the the that kind of struggle that you saw, and the fact that she was doing this on her lunch break. She was lying to everyone else, saying, "Yeah, I had a turkey wrap," um, because she's doing what if she weren't in that dock room? That's what she'd be doing at her desk is just frantically making calls, trying to get make things right. And um, you know, she's very determined. There's something. She really does not want to go back down to the status she was before. She is really concerned about all of the hard work um, that she's put into being a t- an attorney and getting moving up um, in the world. So, uh, I, I, you know, 
in, in another show, I would say we would never get her backstory, but I kind of think we're going to see more about where Kim comes from at some point, just because the show is so thorough uh, with, with, with the character development. Yeah, it with Kim, it is very – she's not mysterious. I, I think it's clear that there's some point in her life that she was pushed to the, okay, I have to work my ass off uh, to get things done. Uh, not because uh, – I don't know. It's, it's weird. Uh, like she doesn't expect anything to be given to her. Exactly, yeah. I think at some point she learned the hard way of, um, yeah, I – I need to work for this, not, you know, expect it to be given to me. Oh, something I don't know if I'm sure somebody out there in the world caught it too. Uh, but uh, I didn't catch it my first time around. But when she finally gets that call, there's this wonderful shot that's a wide shot of her in that parking garage. Just her, this, her as a single, just the single person in there. All the colors are the same, that, that dark blue, even the poles are blue. Um, and, Above her is a blue sign that says out pointing away. And she walks as she's getting the call and she realizes this is her way out of the dock room. She stands directly under that sign. And I thought that was great. I love, I love those little things. Yeah. That's, that's really a really interesting catch and a probably, probably one done on purpose, uh, uh, knowing, knowing the directors and things like that. Uh, With how subtle they are with things, with the bell. It, and- it was such a dark setting that it was it was hard to see. So, and so I really appreciate when I see those things, you know. And that's probably why I enjoy the show the most. Was her way out? That's so great. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just I was so. It was just really awesome how she wants to work so hard and she wants to do things the right way. And I think that, yeah, she just has a lot of self-respect going back to your question. I don't think necessarily anything in her backstory had to lead her to be the type of person who says, you know, I'm not going to get the next big thing for my company by having drinks with you or sleeping with you or whatever. I'm, I'm going to go about this the right way and I'm a professional and I'm not going to get out of the doghouse because I'm pretty or because my hair always looks perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I just think she has a lot of self-respect and she wants to be treated like a high level lawyer. And so that's how she's behaving. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to know too, that it's not over with Jimmy. I know <laughs> that was sweet. He was surprised. Wait, it's not. Over. <laughs> uh, that was sweet to see him say, well, it's not over. <laughs> Which, um, it's it's um it's fair to point out that we had you know Chuck and Kim uh together in Gloves Off episode four and then episode five they they weren't together at all is that correct I'm trying to think and and uh she was Rebecca calls and he didn't come oh okay he didn't uh go to the place yeah it. They, I believe they didn't have an interaction together because she was ignoring the calls and, and things like that. And the doc review stuff was, ah, oh, geez, man. I, I'm getting both episodes mixed in together. Well, that's because we combined them, so it's okay. <laughs> he was the one who, who went to her. Yes. You know, through, like, the janitor. It's not like they set up a yes. 
feet from what I could tell. Mm. He I had just, to slip into the building. Yeah. I just can't remember if he, he did that in in Gloves Off or, or Rebecca. I think it's a that's that episode. Okay, gotcha. All right, so I'm um, getting things confused, uh, but you know. No, 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 that's good. Um, but she, um, so the, the, I guess the main thing, and this is our segue into Chuck, is that conversation, a great conversation with Chuck when he's he shows up and she's she's working all night and he has all the lights turned off and then she turns the lights on and has her has her to go make coffee for him, which. You could tell she was like, at this point, like I now that's what my status is. Now it's not even just doc review, but now I'm making coffee, you know, like you could kind of really read that. Um, but he couldn't use the coffee maker. So they, they have that conversation. Um, what do you think Kim is thinking about the story that Chuck is telling her? Does she believe it? Does she believe, did she not know who to believe? Like that's kind of. I don't know. I don't know what I think. I don't know whether I know if she thinks. I mean, she may already know something about this story. Who knows? But and she's already doubting Jimmy, but she doubts Chuck. So she's kind of stuck in between. Yeah, I did think it was key that Chuck asked her before telling the story if she already knew anything about their dad. Oh, yeah. Good point. That indicate that. Maybe- Clever exaggerating or leaving some things out if, based on the assumption that she doesn't know anything yet from Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think at some point it's going to be revealed that Chuck is going to be pulling some strings as far as Kim's concerned. Uh, I think, I think Chuck is grooming Kim to be this, this partner. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think he sees the only thing that's holding her back is, is Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And I, and it's interesting that, that you mentioned, you know, did Jimmy tell you anything about her father? Um, that he's trying to plant some seeds in of doubt uh, in Kim's mind for Jimmy. Because uh, I think, I think he knows that they're together. Still, I think he knows that, um, you know, Kim is the is the reason why Jimmy is, you know, succeeding at this point. And, you know, they even had a conversation of, you know, you want me to quit? I'll quit. You just get Kim back up there and I don't care. I'll quit and I'll yeah, I love that. all that stuff, you know. And then he's like, well, it's extortion. And it's like, well, that's what you want, you know. Come uh, on, roll around in the dirt with me. I, yeah. I love that fight too. Um, so, I think Chuck is trying to to get Kim off the Jimmy train, and then at that point, Jimmy's going to crumble. Mm. Um, I think. Wow. That, and I think that's his way of getting Jimmy, you know, off off H and M, off you know. Uh, him and him McGill and things like that. And I just think that it's Chuck is doing this bigger play. And, and, you know, and it's one of, one of the nice touches I saw was um, when at the very end of that conversation, he says, I'm going to talk to Hamlin. Um, and he said, by the way, good, good job. Great job on that, uh, that getting that client. 
and she smiles and it's it's a relief because when they book when they book the client at the at the with Hamlin and they're standing outside of the office she she says she waits and she says uh congratulations to Hamlin and he said yeah you too um and then she said well I'll get the ball rolling and he said no well, I'm going to give this to Francis so she didn't she didn't really get the congratulations or the good job pat on the back from Hamlin that she expected. And yep. then she does get it from Chuck. But so she smiles, but then she kind of stops the smile because she she realizes that this this the the congratulations came with the price or it came with a a motive. And because Chuck is congratulating her having this conversation with her because he really wants her to back away from Jimmy. You know, so it's it's kind of like a, I, I don't know what the right uh, saying is to put, apply to this, but, you know, somebody giving you something, but they're really only giving it to you because they want something else, you know. I, and also, I feel like she's not an idiot. She knows, she's a lawyer. She knows how this stuff works. And, you know, clearly Chuck is doing this big song and dance to make her feel like he's on her side and Hamlet mm-hmm. isn't. But how does Chuck know about this? You know, Hamlin obviously told him. Oh, true. And, and you know that Chuck could just easily say, you know, Hamlin, it's, this is enough. Get her, get, put her back to work. You know, get get her off. He could, you could, I think you can sense that partnership between them enough that, that he could, he could say that. I'm, I'm asking you, I'm telling you, Hamlin, or asking you right now, just, I'm officially asking you to take her off. And I, because you think, I think Chuck could have done that at any time. And he's just letting Hamlin handle it the way he's handling it. Mm -hmm. Hamlin. Go ahead. Oh, I think that that might even be what Hamlin was hoping for. Mm. You know, when he talked to Chuck, then this would get resolved. But you know what else I noticed the second time that I watched was that, Chuck intentionally tried to, he was there to surprise her. Um, when, when Kim came in and he heard her bag or something, he turned off his light right away so that she would, <gasps> when he was there, turn I off, wondered why he did that. Their initial interaction would be her apologizing. He huh. totally planned it. So huh. you believe that the, the electromagnetic stuff is, fading away from Chuck to where he, he could handle just a little bit of light, uh, I guess. No, I'm just, uh, I, I yeah, it's a different, yeah. I'm not really sure how real that is, but, um, that wasn't my point. My point hmm. was that he had that little, whatever kind of gas lantern. And as soon as he heard her come in, he turned it off so that That's right. he yep. could mm. basically orchestrate this whole situation. Mm. I yeah, I agree. That. I didn't catch that. I, I remember seeing him turn the lantern down and thinking, oh, well, maybe there was enough light, moonlight coming in or something uh, that he didn't need it. And, and I didn't even think. And then the next thing was Kimmy turning on the light in the um, office. Yeah, it was because he heard her. Yep. That's brilliant. I didn't catch that. That's that's good. Uh, He's orchestrating everything. He wants to be in charge. And also, one thing I noticed was that this episode is called Rebecca. Yes. Oh, and in that scene with with his his wife, Chuck mentions basically that he met a girl. And I get this feeling like 
part of part of Chuck's desire to break up Jimmy and Kim has to do with him losing Rebecca and yes. having to do with Jimmy. I wrote in the show notes because I I didn't catch this until uh, today that you have you and I started off our our topics on Chuck the same. You said I was wondering if his mental illness has has caused by her her tragic loss, and I said I have a theory that whatever happened to his wife is the cause of his mental illness. I was, so I wrote ding ding <laughs> like I love that we agree with that. That I I I think you're absolutely right. Something happened to Rebecca, his wife. Um, because of something related to possibly Jimmy uh, and then, or not. Um, but, but that's what put him in a shell. Cause it, it makes sense that he, I mean, me, even if it isn't a conscious thing with, with Mike, his depression could be so deep that he wants to just hollow away in the dark away from everything and that's a safe place for him. So, and if he's not in a safe place, he feels the effect of everything around him, the environment, and it hurts too much. Yeah. Um, and I believe that even if Jimmy didn't directly cause it, like, you know, he didn't necessarily have to have an affair with her or right. something really Jimmy's fault. But sometimes when something horribly tragic happens, you kind of blame the easiest person to blame. Yeah, or maybe Jimmy wasn't the person, wasn't there to help him through it in some way, or you know, I, I, I don't know, but, but yeah, absolutely, he, he doesn't. Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't somebody who saved him after the tragic loss of his wife. And then it seems like he spent decades trying to make up for, for whatever Chuck was feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I can't wait to find out what happened to her because uh, she either divorced him or, um, you know, magically died or something. Dancer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think we're going to get more interaction in there in the Hamlin, Ham McGill uh, stage of Chuck being, being at the office as far as flashbacks are concerned? Oh yeah, that would be it'd be kind of interesting to just to see how he operated as an attorney. Because because I believe we we had this theory last season of um the reason why he went into the state was because of a case. Do you think it hmm. is a combo now now knowing that he had a a wife? Do you think it's a combo of a case that's tragic? plus losing his wife uh, just all crashing down at once? Or do you think it's just his wife stuff? Well, that that, that, that would make sense because he, he did back away from being attorney all this time and he's slowly getting the courage to start work again. And it, it, it wasn't until Jimmy brought all of those sand, sandpiper files into his uh, house that he kind of started to pick up on it again. He couldn't resist himself and um, so yeah, maybe, maybe there's something to that too. Um, but, uh, but I, I, I love that they just subtly hid the, um, her name, Rebecca on those, um, on that music sheet. And the music had to do with a guy who lost his wife to his brother. So I, I don't, I doubt that Jimmy took Rebecca away from her, but we see in this show that Rebecca certainly thinks that Jimmy's a funny, charismatic guy. And doesn't really laugh at Chuck's joke. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And 
who knows what will happen. Uh, yeah. I pretty much with uh, Jimmy, Rebecca, and, and Chuck. That is a new, that is a new uh, wrinkle in, in this whole uh, Chuck versus Jimmy uh, fiasco that we have. I feel uh, like it's, it's going to be more Chuck's fault in, in, from our perspective. You know, I feel like he's going to implode because of his jealousness of Jimmy. Because someone like Rebecca isn't going to marry someone like Chuck because she's looking for someone charismatic, you know? Right. Going to let his jealousy overcome him. Yeah, very. I think you're right. I like that. Yeah. Hmm. We will find out, I guess, uh, uh, at some point when they're ready to tell us. Um, So, (laughs) yeah. uh, So Chuck and um, Jimmy, you know, uh that 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 fight between them was so those words that were s- said between them were so bad uh you know i chuck says to jimmy that you know this is when jimmy shows up at his house and then realizes he's under the blanket like freaking out and he stays the night and he's actually really concerned for him and then he waits till the morning and chuck says to him well you know about kim he says well you know she she knew better she knew you um, she shouldn't have trusted you, and that was that was such a a terrible thing to say to him. Yeah. And um, and he combined it with such a nice thing, you know. He's like, "You're my brother, and I love you." Yeah, yeah. Her Kim's one mistake was putting her faith in you. I mean, that's just. That's so who do you, so who do you think? I mean, do you, do you like Chuck better now? Do you because we're now understanding a little bit more piece by piece. Uh, because Chuck is kind of, you know, we've because we all love Jimmy, um, and and Chuck is standing in his way. But are we understanding him enough now that like we could see him as a good guy too? No, I need more evidence that what he's saying is true. Yeah, with with Chuck, I think it's clear that, um, you know, obviously we all like Jimmy, and I think it's it's almost like the blinders of you know. Uh, he's stepping in the way of somebody we actually care deeply for, but um, so we automatically like oh think always oh, bad you know whatever. But I think down the line it'll kind of come to fruition that Chuck is doing all these right things to prevent Jimmy from becoming Saul. Mm-hmm. So and I think we're just everyone's so enamored with with uh, Jimmy becoming Saul because that's what we all want. Right. Um, that automatically we're going to shrug off anybody who, who prevents uh, mm. from that happening. Uh, so I'm pretty sure there was some hate uh, towards Kim because Kim told him to do the right thing and he was starting to do things the right way and, you know, getting him away from that Saul track. And then eventually he made his own call and, you know, went back on that track himself. So I think, I think we have more of a sense of why Chuck is being Chuck uh, with Rebecca and, and all that stuff. And I think we're going to be able to relate to him and and understand why. Uh, But I just don't, I don't think anyone else will see it that way just because of he's the way of what we want. And that's what we want is Jimmy to become Saul. Even though I believe that Jimmy is the better uh, character than than Saul, because mm-hmm. you see all this growth and you see and you see all this you know uh, decisions that he has to make in order to make the right call, 
and you know you see why okay there's a reason why i had to do the 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 commercial is because i needed more clientele because i couldn't uh actually go up to them and ask them to sign this stuff yeah with um, jimmy there's more conflict with jimmy yeah with jimmy there's more conflict and there's more reasons like i had to do this because we had to get this done with Saul, it's like he's it's clear that he's slimy. It's clear that he's going to do the wrong thing, uh, and he's going to do whatever it takes to get it done, whether it's good or bad. Um, and yeah, Jimmy. Uh, to me, Jimmy is the is the more moral compass of you know of decide not moral compass. That's probably not the right word, but um, seeing uh, everything from his light of like, okay, I can do it this way. It's going to take longer. Uh, we're looking at, you know, months down the line before this gets solved, or I can do it this way, bribe, bribe the County clerk with a beanie baby. That is only five ninety nine now. Um, and I will get this thing wrapped in two weeks. Yeah. The moral mm-hmm. dilemma of do the ends justify the means. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like what's the, what's the worst that Jimmy's doing by giving him, giving her the beanie baby. He went bought something and he's giving it to somebody as a gift. Like that, that's like, I mean, it's not like he's putting pressure on her or extorting her, which is what he tries to get Chuck to do uh, later. And you could tell Chuck really wanted to, he really wanted to tell him to quit being an attorney, but he was like, no, how dare you? I am not going to do that. Am I the only one who was wondering if, if, uh, Jimmy had a recording device for that conversation? (laughs) Oh, that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I that that would seem like he he would do that as almost like a just say it. <laughs> it's almost a, a backup of, you know, oh uh, I got you now, so you're just gonna you're just gonna do it instead of, you know, telling me what to do. I Saul would do that. Uh I don't think he's yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I I see what you're saying. So any other final thoughts uh for for both uh gloves off and Rebecca? Nope. Uh, just two great episodes, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing... Uh, I think that I I kind of have a feeling that the story is going to kind of... I don't know if I was going to say move faster, but it's already moving pretty fast. I, I don't know why you just said that. It is. <laughs> but it's, um, it's about, I think it's about to get big. Yeah, I think so, too. And there was an article saying that this is almost the anti-Breaking Bad. Uh, as far as like big moment, you know, super big moments and and all that stuff, um, it's very. I think we all we're all kind of agreeing here. It's almost character driven, mm-hmm. as far as you know, looking at what they're going to do and you know what they have done and if they didn't do it the other way, what could have happened uh, type scenario. And also, so many bookends looking at their past very character driven. Mhm, exactly. Uh speaking of which um there were I was going to mention this earlier but uh there was a Huffington Puff post uh, interview with Bob Odenkirk that he tweeted out and said this is a really great one. Uh and they basically he's asked uh there's been so much Walter White cameo talk what are the chances and he says nil. Stop stop hoping. Stop referencing Breaking Bad. It hasn't happened yet. This show is this show it is full and complex, and the stakes are different, and it's a hell of a unique and rich experience. So I don't think he's necessarily saying he said that hasn't happened yet. I'm not. I don't think he's saying it's not going to happen. But, but he's right. Forget about it. Forget about it. Just enjoy the show the way it is. Um, 
and there and then he was asked what other characters from Breaking Bad would you love to see on Better Call Saul? He said none or all. I'm enjoying this show. I'm I'm on the show and enjoying it. Join me. And I can I can like hear his voice as he's saying it. Yeah. So I love I love that he said that because that's that's what he's thinking about the comparison of the two is that I mean, yes, it's the same universe, but it's it's a different story on its own. And um so and and I think I think people are realizing it and starting to enjoy it in its own way now, finally. It's almost like Cheers and Frasier. Uh you know yeah. you know, Cheers you know, was its own thing. And then, you know, they spun off Frasier. And if you, you know, just watch Frasier uh, and didn't watch Cheers, you wouldn't know that, you know, it's, it was spun off from Cheers until you, you had those, you know, those very, by the way, very handful episodes. I'm talking maybe. Oh yeah. ten, ten episodes out of its 10 year run where it was Cheers oriented. Yeah, and and they were very spaced out. Like they had one where his ex-wife came back for one episode of Frasier for you know I think, and mm-hmm. that was it. And there was that, and then there was you know where most of them all appeared because of a birthday party, and I think it. Oh, I missed why that. Why ended up happening was because I think it was like the fifteen or twenty-year anniversary of Cheers. <laughs> God. ever being on air and so it was uh, you wouldn't know that it was a spinoff in fact as a kid i had no idea it was a spinoff <laughs> you know, until uh the one you know mbc commercial was like you'll never guess who shows up at this party and <laughs> must you watch george you know much thursday much much must watch tv day yeah. yeah exactly you would never you never would know and i think this is down the line this is going to be a you know, oh, that, you know, I had no idea that that was, you know, part of a bigger show. Um, I mean, that's, and that's my opinion, and they're making it their own. And that's what we've talked about before, you know, in the very opening episodes of like, hey, we know this is a thing, but we want to make it our own, you know, universe instead of being like, hey, you know, guess who's knocking on that door? It's, it's Jesse Pinkman here for Lord. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's and that's what i think and i think the writers are doing a fantastic job as far as keeping them separate but keep them in the same universe yep i i can't wait to see what happens next Mm -hmm. so until next time well let let me uh okay final final things uh that we need to put out there uh if you uh uh have a beanie baby that may be worth uh you know, fifteen hundred dollars that you bought in, in the nineties and two thousands. Yeah, oh, she does. Well, <laughs> maybe she can email us at lawyeruppodcast at gmail dot com, and maybe she can tell us that beanie baby that she has. Uh, or you can tweet us at lawyeruppodcast, or you can give us a fancy call at five zero five seven five zero one seven six zero and leave us a voicemail about that uh, type of beanie baby that. That could bribe a county clerk person. And much. yeah, it doesn't take much, I guess. And we want to sh- throw out a special thanks to uh, at Zeb Guns and at Johnny Feisty. Both of those guys provided our theme that you might be listening to right now and our cover art for awesome guests as well. All right, guys. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. And um, 
And See Jack, you. Sharon, I just want to say we got to do one thing before we head out. And we just have to. I'm going to throw my fist up in the air and say, lawyer up. Lawyer up. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>